Hiya, it's episode 101 for Space Brains, and we are looking at science fiction film Note, which came out in 2022. Hi, and welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this is Mark. Hiya, it's episode 101, and we're talking about the science fiction film Nope. Nope. Which came out in 2022, so it's a yes to Nope. In this episode, we're going to reveal what we thought about the film, some ins and outs of narrative and film language, plus some deep dive into some specific questions based on the science of this film. If you have not seen this film yet, this is your spoiler warning. We're going to talk all about it. Warning, warning, warning. Uh, So go back, watch the film. Please do. Tune back in (laughs) and then hear us provide illumination for you. Yes, of the film. (laughs) Of the the film, specifically Nope. (laughs) Yes, for Nope. So there's your warning. So Nope came out in 2022 and is basically about a bunch of random objects that fall from the sky and they result in the death of a father, this ranch-owning man, uh, to uh, this uh, younger guy called OJ. Yes, OJ. Uh, OJ's Jr. stands for. (laughs) I know, and there's a nice little nod to that. And they realise that there's this potential opportunity of like a UFO in the sky and they want to capture it on camera and hopefully get that Oprah shot, which I really liked. Great terminology. And they want to, yeah, capture it and show the world that UFOs do exist. So is is Oprah still a big thing? Because I like... I know she's she always certainly was. Go, go back ten years, and <laughs> Oprah was all about the yeah. Oprah. Yeah, but I haven't heard much of it now. Is it? Is this something that younger generations are going to go? Who? What? I don't know because I mean the the style of Jordan. So Nope is written and directed by Jordan Peele. The style of his films are pretty young. I feel in mm. the way that like you know the characters talk and how they you know go about in their worlds. There's lots of sort of mobile phone stuff, technology, the way people talk to each other. Um, he does feel like he's captured a bit of a younger audience. Not that he's young, you know, himself. He's a sort of middle-aged man. But he, I feel like he's capturing that right language system for a younger audience. So yeah. I don't know. And But to me it was, I think it was a great reference in that, yeah, you said in terms of media, it's like how big can someone get? Well, Oprah is kind of as big uh, as it gets. Oprah's a billionaire I mean, media personality. Maybe so, yeah. if you said Seinfeld, right, like to you and me, like, yeah, Seinfeld money, like that was an expression I think that yeah. someone had used previously, Seinfeld money. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. That's what Seinfeld made from TV. So, yeah, you need that sort of. I don't know. I think Oprah is big. She still, owns a whole media company herself. Yeah, and, well, maybe, maybe she's Maybe she's still bigger. To people who watch TV. Yeah, that's right. I know recently she's on Netflix with uh, Michelle Obama. They did some big tour of the US together. But, you know, like That um, seems like book, a natural so. fit though, doesn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, massive natural fit. Big money maker that, I think. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so this dope was written and directed by Jordan Peele. He's, uh, you know, a long-time comedian, TV actor. You know, he's been in lots of stuff himself. And then suddenly splurged onto the filmmaking scene in... I think it was 2016 with uh, the smash hit 
Get Out, which is really just a pure horror. Whereas Nope, I would probably put into the science fiction horror yeah, genre, like it bit, crosses the two. It had that horrific sense to it, didn't it? It did, it did. And, I mean, he's obviously, he's he's made, ah, uh, oh, I forgot, uh, there's another. Us. Us, yeah, which is a horror. Plus he wrote and co-produced uh, the remake of Candyman, which is a which is a Candy. horror as well. Um, but then in the sci-fi world, he he produced and did direct, I think, an episode or two of the H.P. Lovecraft sci-fi TV show, which was really great. I, I watched that. came out in 2020, I think. And so, yeah, with, with Get Out, he sort of launched himself. He won an Oscar for that script, and it was a massive blockbuster from a really tiny budget and just everyone thought, oh, this guy's a comedian, but this stuff's scary. That's a bit of a science fiction <laughs> film too, really. Well, it is. It's got the psychology element, yeah, isn't it? The hypnosis. We're not going to spoil it no, for anyone. No, no, no. But- Go watch that film too if you want to see a really great low-budget horror film that, you know, takes in a whole other realm and is creepy as anything get out, I reckon. Mm. <laughs> this one... I, I feel crosses those two genres. Do you feel it had any other genre in it? Uh, it nah. I mean, yeah, it's got a bit of drama in there mm. and so yeah. forth. It's set in a you know dusty western town. Yeah, well, I saw online but, some people saying this. You could say that this is a western because it has a lot of the western tropes in it as well. It, yeah, it's got a bit of that sort of you know, uh, well, was it the two ranches? Dueling it out, right. one of them doing it for just the money. The other yeah. one uh, got yeah has some sort of odd concept of honor or yeah. familial. What do you call that? Where you, you're looking honor. after loyalty. Yeah, yeah lo- you know, lawyer and sort of, yeah. But and you know, he, I, I don't know. I don't think it was quite enough. Like there wasn't that sort of you need a showdown. Yeah, for a Western. Well, there was like, a showdown at the end. <laughs> well, yeah, but but yeah, you need you would have needed the two farms to have some sort of a conflict, and True. they tried to, and I suppose he subverted a bit there where they went to to go over there and and confront him and mm. to find the the place empty. Yeah, because quite often, I mean, you saw it in this. You've got one farmer not doing as well as the other farmer that can, or cowboy is not doing as well as another cowboy. So yeah. he sell he's selling his horses. Uh, but also part of the Western is the space, you know, like the grand uh, locations and the, mm. the the emptiness, the void they talk about in Westerns, in the classic Westerns. So they had that here. Jordan yeah. captured that sort yeah. of landscape. It's almost sometimes films do this where, and Westerns have been known to do it, is the landscape, the setting is a character almost. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's empty, it's void, it's uh, maybe horrific, it's maybe terrifying, it's, you know, it's empty, there's no one else around. You, you, know, those you do get feelings. that feeling that these ranches, like even though they they visit the city, yeah. these places are just so like... Um, isolated. Isolated. They're on, yeah. they're on the frontier because mm. I, I mean, I've, I've watched my fair share of westerns yeah, back in too, the day. Yeah. There was a, a whole sort of series of these spaghetti westerns I watched mm, and yeah. some Clint Eastwood stuff, which... Also, was some spaghetti stuff, <laughs> but uh, sausage finger. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but certainly, one of the things you get there is always like someone coming in off just an empty plane. Right. One individual wanders yeah. into this town. This town's just kind of in the middle of nowhere, yeah. surrounded by nothing. Yeah, and it's it's the people inside there are almost like captives. Yeah, it's only the one, yeah, you know, the lonesome drifter who seems to have any real freedom. They've come yeah, and they, go, but they're lonely. They're not 
trusted. They don't get the benefits of society, but yeah. they do get the freedom. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I don't know. There's that the, to me, and I, it felt like a bit of a showdown at the end. You know, he he wanted to, uh, you know, that main character OJ. He wanted to stand his ground. You know what I mean? Like he mm. could have run because even the sister says, "Let's get out of here." You know, like let's go. But he's like, no, we're we're standing our ground, which is very to me Western. You know, yeah, it's like I, we're I holding so, our yeah. ground. You know, but in this case, instead of it being another cowboy, <laughs> it's a UFO, monster a cow thing. UFO, yeah, cow UFO, yeah. So anyway, a few of the details. We'll we'll go into some of the other questions, but yeah, as you said, Jordan Peele wrote and directed this. He also produced it. His Monkey Paw Productions is all behind this. Uh, had a pretty decent budget this one compared to his other films, sixty-eight million, and did return a very healthy box office of about one hundred and seventy-two million. So I think it, it did really well. He has produced these couple of films now that I think probably doesn't maybe artistically put him in the same level as someone like Quentin Tarantino, but his name is now part of the reason to go see the film, right? You know, oh, like yeah. it's, he's created he's generated that trust that he can make a good story and so in terms of especially cinema releases of films it's like oh go see this because it's his film you know for example martin scorsese's got a three hour and 26 minute film coming out soon this year with leo again and you know people are going oh god that's really long and he's like but you might enrich your life and i think you know, looking at some of the comments online about that, the Martin Scorsese stuff, people are going, yeah, I'll be willing to sit there for three hours for Martin Scorsese. And so this is sort of, you know, I'm not saying Jordan Peele's the same sort of, you know, artistic level as someone like Scorsese, but there definitely is like he he's a name Well, now, the it? reason I saw Nope in the first place was because it was Jordan Peele. Yeah. And, you know, I really did enjoy his comedy and... Yeah, I mean, Get Out is yeah, renowned and well-known. Yep. Yep. And I thought, you know, I've heard so much buzz further about him. Mm. Um, I, sh- I have to go see this. See what it's all about. Yeah. How, I'm glad how I did. It, I know for myself it was like, okay, well, how will he tackle UFOs? What will that be like? You know, I like a good alien film, so what, you know, what would it be like for Jordan Peele to do an alien film? Mm. And that's what you sort of see here. I think the three real key actors, he, he's he got his little muse going on now, doesn't he, with this Daniel Kalari or Kaluri? Uh, Kaluuya? I'm not sure how to say it, but, yeah, they've worked on Danny multiple K. films. Yeah. Kiki Palmer plays the sister as well, Emerald, and um, Stephen Ewan uh, is Glenn. back in action. <laughs> from Glenn Lost. from the... No, from the uh... Uh, uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Sorry, yes. yeah, not Lost. No, that's no, no. I'm thinking of someone else now. Yeah, so from Walking Dead, so he's he's been given another shot. So some reasonably caliber actors here, um, all kind of in the minority space as well. I think, which is important for Jordan. Yeah, and I think I think it's interesting that he's able to, and this film does it quite well. He's able to present. Just a great science fiction film, mm. you know, with with horror aspects, uh, a bit of western side of things, a bit of drama, a bit of family stuff going on there. Yeah, the main character is you know African American. The the supporting actors really sort of you know Korean and um, also you know of African descent and yeah. and Latino. And, the tech guy's probably Latino yet, or something. There's no excess drawn attention drawn to that fact. No. 
That's right. It's part of the story because there's mention there about the you know black erasure from Hollywood and so mm. forth, and that's kind of part of it. But there's no um, there's no major black no. power moment or no. you know these sort of things where as the cinema go, you go, uh, okay, we get your point. Mm. Instead, he he says, look, he's just a great story. That makes sense. The mm. characters are consistent. They're consistent with what they would say and do. Like yeah. you're not, you're never feeling as if they've just sort of, uh, you know, blackwashed a white film. Yeah. If is that a real term? I don't know, but, but it sounds, sorry, it's, it's, it's the sounds, same deal. You know, yeah. it's like where you you basically whitewash a, a film that should have um, non-white characters, and it mm. suddenly, you know, Tamagotchi. Yamahara is, I don't know, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> He's like, yeah. well, I mean, okay, yeah. let's go with that. Yeah. Sort of not traditional, but. And I must admit, like, when I got to the end of this, what you're saying is how I felt that, you know, for so long you, there's been a lot of, you see big Hollywood films and you where's, and you go, you know, yeah, it's it's uh, what we're just joking off there before, like Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, you know, yeah. two white kind of youngish, good-looking Americans. But, you know, you could substitute them with other, you know, minority characters and the story would still work. Yes. And this is what I, when I did watch this at the end, because there is a lot of subversive discussion of, of kind of race, but as you're saying, it's not blasted in our face. He's not. No, it's, it's he's part not of the lecturing. normal character yeah. operation. But it did make me really realise how successful, like, he is really being. Like, so what if they're African-American and Latino and, and well, I don't know what Steve Ewan's actual heritage is, but, you know, you know what I mean? Like, what's the difference? What does it matter? It actually works. Yeah. So why, just... why, have, why has Hollywood been so scared to not put these minorities as the lead characters. Because, you know, the joke in a horror is always like the black guy's the first guy that dies or, you know, the the Asian guy's the first one that gets kind of stabbed to death in the corner or whatever, you know. Or they're the bad people, right? Like they're the villains. And so it's they're just minor characters. The white people are the major characters. But here Jordan Peele, he's demonstrating that it works. It doesn't – we don't have to see – Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, although they're great actors, we don't have to see them in the story, right? Like we yeah, can have no, I, other I, faces on I the screen. I didn't feel uh, out of place watching it. No. Um, there are, I have watched some films where there's been, um, you know, primarily Japanese or, or African-American mm. or whatever, and I have felt a bit out of place. Like it's it's almost too distant from my personal experience that it's just like I, I'm kind of watching – at a at a distance, mm. rather than being involved in it. But I, I, this this one worked very well. I felt yep. very natural. The dialogue, the introduction of the various issues that the characters were facing, yep. were you know reasonable and well articulated. You, you didn't sort of you didn't get one of these awkward situations where someone's being told they can't sit at the front of the bus. You know, like and you sort <laughs> of go, okay, we get the idea. Yeah. yeah. This has happened, you know. This has seen this before. Let's move on. Instead, uh, <laughs> instead, there's was the Emerald. I think her character's name is. Uh, she's talking about the black jockey on the first yeah. motion picture, mm. but of course, nobody knows his name. You go, well, well, no, actually, fair enough. Mm. And you know, the the film crew or the the producer, the director, she's t- doing this you know, presentation to is quite unimpressive. Is okay, okay, can we just like film the horse now <laughs> like, like that's which you go well that's exactly how it is he's yeah. not dismissing her or her issues he's 
just you know he has a job to do he's gonna get paid to do it and move on so yeah it was fun it was good it's good and what was your number one takeaway from nope oh jesus my number one takeaway from nope is that chimpanzees are (laughs) tremendously frightening creatures (laughs) and i've i've had not the experience of chimps but i've I've had the experience with dogs Mm. you get used to a dog and you think this is pretty cool yeah and you take the dog down to an oval to walk with some other dogs. Yeah. And they've met before and nothing's – and then, you know, they just sort of walk along and suddenly one of these dogs just, which just goes mental and, mm. and has a go at the other dog and you suddenly realise that you're just a few too many steps away and can you get there in time before yeah. anything happens? Super and, serious happens. And, every, and it, you know, all the, all the dog owners and they go, ah, and start trying to do stuff and you yeah. realise that you're kind of – you're not nearly as in control as you think you are. You know, you, you think you've got this arrangement mm. uh, and this film sort of is goes into this a bit and yeah. this is sort of a point. But but I've, I've felt that feeling where, yeah, I know these dogs, they're, yep. they're, they're sweet and then suddenly like there's this fight breaking and you go, holy shit, what, yeah. you know, I can't control this. This is yeah. suddenly out of it. Uh, and you add that up to a chimpanzee and... Which um, has a bit more functioning capability. Yeah, oh, jeez. <laughs> Can kind of think some things through. Yeah, and it's, it's quite strong and um, agile, and mm. you know, because like dogs aren't terribly agile. I think they're on all fours and they're kind of long, yeah. and they're easy to sort of knock over. Uh, they got yeah some bad teeth and stuff, but a, yeah. a, a chimp can roll and turn and punch and jump. twist and jump and Climb. you know <laughs> grab you with all four of their limbs. Yeah, oh, I found that. Part of this film, one of the most horrifying parts, mm. is this this chimp just going the gaudy berserk, yeah, the gaudy incident, <laughs> just going berserk. And Stephen's character what was his name in this film. I can't remember now. Jesus, uh, you always you always just look at the character, the, the actors. Yeah, and, it was, yeah. You know, you know the actor. If if I didn't know the actor's name, I'm sure I'd remember the character's name. <laughs> uh, yeah, just him sitting under the table as a kid. Yeah, that and was there's terrifying. this chimp so walking up, going oh, and you're like. Uh, suddenly he's gone normal again now and like <laughs> but you just saw that he could snap at yeah. any moment yeah so yeah chimps and that that edge of control mm. is very easy to lose yes you know and you, it's an illusion that you have yeah control yeah yeah so that's that's my number one takeaway but the, here's an interesting question i was thinking about this is this hope warning or experiment so is nope a warning for a ufo is it a hopeful story? I don't think so. No, I wouldn't have called it hopeful, no. And is it an experiment? Oof. Yeah, I mean, a good old monster in the dark story is kind of always a warning, I guess. Mm. So I think that's what I'm going to place it into. I mean, there's the experiment of can you control, like you're just saying, I think is definitely a part of this film is like, can you control a wild beast? I guess might be the what if of this story. Yeah. But I don't know if that really warrants an experiment. So I'm going to go warning. I think warning. it is just the warning like, yeah, the, in this context, this monster is hiding in plain sight, which is in the clouds. And then when they realize, they try to capture it um, and they try to control it. And sort of part of the, to me, my interpretation of the whole film is like the warning of Gordy and the warning of the horses. And television and cinema is like you can't really control these creatures. No. You know, and and they can result in very devastating, you know, effects. Yeah, so I, I, I would put it down to a warning. Warning. Yeah. 
Warning, Kill warning. warning. And I think the thing is, see, to me, this film... So, to me, this film is really the same as The Blob. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the same it's the same monster in the dark story that the Blob is. It's it, all the same as Jaws. Jaws might be actually a better connection. So mm. you've got a creature of enormous power right there. It's kind of the old narrative myth as well. Like the main characters have to have have to go into the belly of the beast to capture the beast. And so you know, in Jaws, they're on the boat. They have to go into the water to literally, you know, kill Jaws. And then here, it's like, well, you have to be on the ranch where the the yeah. monster thinks the UFO monster thing is there, and they and they they need to try to capture it and then destroy it. So they sort of again, it's the old they can't leave the farm. You know, like they don't you don't want them to. You, I mean, it's a funny story always, isn't it? It's like you you want the main character, of course, as the audience to be safe, but they have to confront this huge, massive, powerful creature, don't they, and destroy yeah, it? Yeah, because otherwise, I, what's going to happen? It's just I, I think that's one of the jobs of the storyteller in this case <laughs> is making sure that you understand why they stay there because yeah. I, I know I, I can't bring anything to mind in particular, but I know I've seen stories where you're just going, well, what an idiot. You just yeah, yeah. just pack up and leave. You yeah. should just first sign of trouble, just leave. Why are you doing that yeah. there? And I guess, I guess like that that monster in the dark of like, you know, um, something like, and I'm not saying because I think Friday the 13th is a good movie, but that trope of, a bunch of high school kids go into the woods and stay in the cabin in the woods and there's some sort of serial killer, you're kind of like, well, just pack up and leave. Yeah, what are you, you doing? You know, like you're on holiday. Who cares? Go home, right? Like go go to the local town. But what works always well in a good horror, of course, is like people being stuck in a location because they are actually attached to that location. Yeah, so OJ, this was his farm. We also see early in the story that, you know, he's got his, it was his father's farm and it was their father's farm. They've been entertainers in the Hollywood industry for years, mm. but it's not working. In, you know, they're failing, aren't they? They're yeah, failing. So they've got to kind of keep the farm. And the neighbor, Stephen Ewan, he'll, he'll buy the farm off them, you know? So it's like, but that gives away all their honor and loyalty, and and they don't have anything what, else. And that's it; they've got no, I, nothing else okay, to live for. Let's let's say they've got a bunch of money out of that. Then what do they do? Well, yeah, because like, OJ he really came across, and I think it was delightful acting of him, and probably pretty good directing from Jordan Peele. Is he just came across so non plus about everything, right? Like yeah. he was that he was that farmer's son that. There's n- nothing else in life for him. The daughter Emerald seemed to have a whole bunch of other stuff going on, but for him, this was it. The, yeah. This was his life, you know. And and I, I think you know that's, that's, that was the point of the father dying in the start, as well as you know, if your father died and you were very close to him like that, and it's a family business, you you would want to hold on to that family business. Yeah, it's I'd a imagine, connection you know? to your yeah, to it, your you, father. Yeah. You know, and as an audience, it's very primal, and we understand the father. You know the father, son, and 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 then this whole history, like you know, you know, his grandpa and grand great grandpa, and in fact, we were the first jockey in the first cinema. You know, like they have this rich history. You're not just going to hand that farm over to the neighbour. Yeah, some, some <laughs> dude who, who runs kind of a an almost like cheap shot show of yeah, you know, yeah. flashy, you know, um, yeah, make believe. Yeah. yeah, and you know, deep down, we all want to. Be successful at whatever that means, and for OJ, it was kind of like, oh, he wants to be successful on TV or film or keep the family business going, you know. Yeah. So I think Emerald would have sold up and <laughs> passed it over and tried to get a quick buck yeah. wherever she could. And, but- and that was sort of explained, I guess, because she's always 
uh, episode about Jean Jacket. Yeah, that's right. She always wanted a horse, but mm. she didn't get one. Yeah. And, the, you know, it's revealed that, in fact, there was supposed to be a horse for her, but yeah. it was just... It was then used. Yeah, it it didn't work out that way. It was supposed to be there, but it didn't happen. Mm. Too dangerous, I think. So if you've seen Nope, is it a hope warning experiment? What do you think? Let us know. Jump on the socials. We're, we're waiting now. We are. We are waiting. We'll take your phone call right now. Right now. <laughs> Yes, we're going to be lonely here waiting for a bit. This is going to be very bad listening if you're going to have to wait indefinitely. So, as I said, I think this is like the monster in the dark story, the belly of the beast, you know, Mm. crawling into it, go into the mouth of the dragon and slice its belly open from the inside out. So there's a lot of horror elements there. And we've also talked already about there's some Western stuff. Is this a science fiction film? Sorry. Is this indeed? I'd have to say yes. And I think the science is not UFOs. Right. That, see, this, this is this is strange because... Bombshell. Bombshell, yeah, because... <laughs> you heard it here first. UFO movie, it has the UFO in it, but we don't really, you know, um, go much into the UFO. What we're going into here is the psychology and this relationship between uh, humanity and nature. I think the you know we're talking about the wild beast. Yeah, you know, how how does this uh, character OJ? He's relating to uh, horses, but then also the rest of society is a wild animal to him, mm. uh, or he's the wild animal to society. However you're looking at it, so we're seeing this this study of human nature, psychology, and so- sociology, mm. and it's being but it's being brought out and exaggerated through use of the science fiction elements. So you could have had a, um, as I said, Jaws, you know, a shark, because mm. in that we're sort of looking at uh, a guy confronting his fear of the water yep. uh, and also the um, the way humans panic and, and interact in that way. Mm. But that's done through the shark. And we could have done like a shark or there could have been a, a wild jackal or a mountain cougar lion or something. I don't know what what American, a a cocaine-addled bear (laughs) could could have been. But those things wouldn't bring about the same level of intensity Mm. on this very sharp point that was trying to be made in this film because there are other solutions to that. If you had a wild coyote killing horses, and maybe it attacked someone. Like, you know, it's got rabies, so it's dangerous. Like, mm. You just don't, you go, okay, well, the ranger will come and, like, yeah, capture yeah. it. Like, there are people that deal with that. Yeah. Same as, like, the shark. Yeah. There actually are people that deal with that. You know, mm. it's not nearly as dangerous as perhaps Jaws made it out to be. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But if you're talking about this crazy-ass UFO thing, mm. well, first of all, nobody believes it. And secondly, even if someone did believe it, who, how, how does it get dealt with? Yeah, yeah. In a way that is acceptable, because you know, maybe you just say the air force, yeah, and then it suddenly becomes Independence Day, and yeah, it's yeah. it's a whole other ball game. You're not you're not focusing in on this this struggle between you know humanity and wilderness, yeah. Uh, but you know, you can bring in a a UFO, and this UFO is ultimately unpredictable. It is wild in all possible ways, mm. and there is no current sensible way of dealing there's no other way to deal with it except through some sort of a science fiction confrontation yeah and that's why i think this is a bit science fiction uh film like not just a horror or a western or some sort of family drama or something yeah is because they've taken the point of conflict and 
turn the dial to 11 by saying, you know what, we're going to we're going to represent this struggle with a UFO. Mm. And that's also going to add a bit of folklore. It, it brings a bit of human culture in. Whenever UFOs come into films uh, in this way, even in Killer Clowns, yeah, yeah. they introduce this idea of, well, what if you know our ancestors came up with clowns in response yeah, to right. these aliens? And you know, I, I love that sort of explanation. And this this does a similar thing here with uh, angels. Uh, yeah, there's sort of this beauty to the UFO when it unfurls at the end and becomes its full form. Yeah. You know, where it's no longer hiding. It's it's like uh, almost, it almost looks like that scene in Priscilla Queen for the desert. <laughs> and they're driving through the desert, yeah, standing yeah. on top of the coach with the big trailing streaming dress tails or whatever the heck yeah. that is costume. It's the same sort of thing. It's like yeah, this yeah. majestic, beautiful thing, mm. which only highlights the fact that it's such a wild, dangerous killer yeah yeah yeah, and you know it evokes ideas of angels and um you know divine intervention and and so forth but mm. uh yeah it's, you can't do that without introducing a science fiction element without turning this into a a quest for you know the ultimate confrontation between you know our humanity and what's on the edges of civilization mm. yeah for sure yeah, that's what that's that's my thought on this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, speaking of these sort of themes and so on, um, there's kind of so this re- recurring story or theme in the film. Yeah. Um, I counted three main iterations. There's, there's very smaller versions of it. Yeah. Uh, th- that being that you can't tame a wild creature. Yeah. Uh, or the inner inner nature can't be replaced or destroyed. It can only be hidden. Mm. So, did you, how many how many times did you see? Do you want to iterate some of these things? Can you come up with some? Yeah, well, I mean, I, that's what I think at the end of the day that this was basically, you know, it's it's clever, isn't it? This film, like for half of it, it's a UFO, and then it's realizing, oh no, the the, the monster is the UFO, and it eats everything, mm. and uh, so that's kind of like the oh, you know, that's the shock, the surprise. And I think when that happens, you really, well, for me, it was very evident then, like you go right back to the start and when, um, you know, the horse is on set, it's like, oh, it's safety. Don't do that to the horse. Don't do, you know, you can't just surprise the horse. Yeah. And so to me, it, it really was that, yeah, the, the the beast or animals and the power of that, that you, you know, there's got to be really strict controls if you want to be so close to these wild animals. You were mentioning two dogs um, there's the story of Gordy, which, you know, is very unsettling the way that it's revealed in the film because kind of you have that opening shot where there's a broken set and there's a bloody chimpanzee, so you don't really know what that is. Then they talk a bit about it, don't they, later? Um, then we kind of get, we, we learn a little bit more about the Gordy yeah. scenario through them telling the memory uh, and then we then we see the scene with the the boy you were talking about underneath the table and that's like really horrific you know you understand that he's this chimpanzee has just ripped the crap out of these people god yeah um, you know, it's, just, it's just that bloody shoe that's yeah, left there you know, versus you know the, and the the foot is wobbling i yeah. really liked that you know it's like wobbling to death or whatever and you know for me as a parent you couldn't help but think yeah that kid is under the table 
you know, what is this thing going to do to this kid, you know? Like you just couldn't help but think, God, that is really creepy. In fact, Stephen Ewan's character is pretty sane, really, just to be running a little cheesy theme park. Uh, I know. I would have after thought going after that experience, largely destroyed by PTSD on that. Are you? <laughs> and then, and then we get the is her name Peggy or something like the sister, the the actor. You know, when she is brought back into the film, she's in a wheelchair with a veil over her face. Oh yes, you know, and she was a pretty little young girl, and obviously she didn't die. We learn, oh, she didn't die. But that's just such a clever little way of like reminding us how dangerous, you know, now she's in a wheelchair, she's kind of been deformed to the point of wearing a veil, you know. Yeah, and there's the mention of the horses uh, multiple times, you know, OJ talking about training them um, and then the realisation that with this creature you can't look at it, you can't look it in the eye, you've got to kind of follow its rules and its mannerisms, you know, Mm. and OJ kind of figures them out to the best of the ability. And we have that great character roll along right at the end, don't we, with the on the motorbike, TMZ, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, you talk about like the Oprah kind of, same with that, TMZ, and he had the mirror helmet. Yes. Like that was so such a cool idea, wasn't it, you know? And um, that he was just willing to go, nah, it's all for the shot. It's for the camera shot. So he took on the monster and, of course, gets eaten. You know, oh, yeah. grinded to a pulp or whatever that was happening. Whatever happens inside that, yeah, that vaguely thing, yeah. sexual thing. <laughs> what I loved was, you know, that thing, you know, at the start, it's just the screeches and the groan, and you just, you know, you, you are actually the opening credits of this. You're going into its mouth without yeah. knowing. And uh, then, you know, with the father as well, how he dies, uh, you know, you hear the screaming come overhead, but nothing, you know, and they're, they're like, oh, maybe it was a plane crash or something was happening like that to explain yeah. it. And then when you do, you know, they sucks up all those people that were watching it in the theme park and you just, they're kind of like squished and then they obviously start getting actually compacted into the creature's mouth and there's just the screams and the the gold and the chains yeah, well, the that, bits and the, the bits and that it doesn't want to eat, you know. So to me, yeah, I don't know how many times I counted that, but I think there is a very clear, you know, as an audience member when I watched this, it was clearly about a monster that, you know, it's a UFO monster and at the end, as you, you just described, it also becomes this big, beautiful white butterfly thing which reminded me a bit more of like maybe like a jellyfish or mm. you know how there's those kind of creatures, there's some well, sea creatures Portuguese, where, is it the lion's mane jellyfish? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, 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 and you know how sometimes creatures, I guess there's also like the, oh, what is it, the frill neck lizard, how it's quite small but then, you know, it, it, <laughs> it does its frill, you know, and and it's but it can be quite beautiful, you know, even though it's like a deadly creature, even an octopus, right? Like, you, you know, it can be very sleek and slant, but then, you know, it puts out all its tentacles and suddenly it's really large and like that. So, yeah, I, I, sorry, I don't know how many times I saw it, but to me it was very clearly about a creature that, like how to tame creatures and, and those yeah. barriers around and that. I, I think the last one that I, that I saw in this was the the overall picture of, uh, OJ and his family surviving Hollywood. The Hollywood yeah. is the creature. So yeah. uh, uh, Emerald, mm. the, the Kiki's character, she wanted to confront head on, Yes, look him in the eye, tell them, yeah. you have forgotten about our family. We yeah. we were the first guys on film she, yeah. in, an, in, in, in motion picture. Like our family was the first people in motion picture uh, 
and when I say our people, I mean her family literally yeah. as opposed to necessarily black people, which yeah, yeah. probably true as well. They probably carried the, the cameras around yeah, and yeah, did for stuff sure. and forgotten about. Yep. But that's her looking them in the eye and mm. what to get them was just like, yeah, okay, can you step aside now? We want to do the filming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and likewise, OJ, I think he's learning that his family have been trying to face down Hollywood mm. and, or face down culture, society mm. and win. But it's the the untamable monster that if you confront it like that, yeah. it'll chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, and yeah. so I think in the end of this, he sort of win. They they sort of win by not you know they 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 confront, but then they manage to become the monster themselves. Mm. And they you know they they kill this UFO and they they get their photo and you know they do all these sorts of things that. By sort of sort working of to the beast, right? Like yeah. so you're right. Like rather than confronting it. TMZ confront it. Look what yeah. happens, you know. Yeah, no. uh, and you're right. Whereas he did everything right that he tried to, you know, utilize work with the beast. Yes, and they do succeed at the end. So, of the day. Yeah, yeah. Deal with its its weaknesses and yeah, and, and so learn on. its weaknesses. Do it. So I, I thought that's. I think I think that's one of the reasons why this film is quite a good film is because it is on the surface. Like if my kids watch this, yeah. They probably get a bit bored because it's a bit slower in paces. But they they just they'd go, oh, this is cool. So yes. there's a UFO flying around, and they're going to confront it, and yeah. they fight it, and then they win. That's sweet. But then there's all these other sort of mm. parts in there which yeah. which repeat that same story, yeah. but from different points of view of yeah. of you know the horses and Gordy and uh, even Stephen's character. We should probably find out what his character's <laughs> name is, but we can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think the thing is, um, and, you know, I could read a bit into what you're talking about there, like the African-American version on camera could be a bit like how, you know, you go back to that scene with the horse, it's like, oh, no, but get out of the way, we want the shot, right? Like, so, so it's almost the, yes, the guy just wants to get his job done, but it, and we don't really care about black African history, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, we just want the shot. And that can be very much, you know, like oh, we're filmmakers. We want to film. We've got to film other shots. Like yeah. we have to get this done. But there is a deeper meaning there of like, you know, African-Americans, as I said before, like, oh, you're not going to put them as the main character. They don't represent the whole of pop culture. People don't want to buy tickets to go see that at the mm. cinema. They want to see a white person and, or whatever, right? And honestly. But, but like the – so then therefore you, you take – it a little bit deeper and you also look at Gordy, so the chimpanzee, and like, you know, the the idea of like the scary black man and putting him in the character and likewise with the chimpanzee, like it's like, oh, let's just shove a chimpanzee, he'll be fine and yeah. he goes mental, you know, and so you can read that into it. Looking into it a little bit myself online, Jordan Peele said the idea of Gordy is actually representative of him starting out in Hollywood and starting out on camera in that people kind of thrusting him in front of the spotlight and him not succeeding, like not kind of getting the game. And and also people, he was talking a bit about people telling him what he should do to succeed. And so if you think about Gordy as a symbol for that, it's like, yeah, chimpanzee, it's going to just do this, it'll be fine. No, it rips everyone's head off (laughs) because it's not really designed to be on a set with cameras and lights and children and, no, you know. It's a bit, bit unpredictable. Yeah, it's a bit a bit more unpredictable. So, <clears throat> you know, but, he, you know, he, he was talking about the horrors of being a young comedian and being thrust into spotlights and stuff like that. So, I, but I do think there is that sort of deeper meaning to this because if you look at all of his stuff, he, there is a lot of subversive 
African-American, you know, culture. And in this context, I think he's kind of gone down now the path of like filmmaking and, and TV and, that, and how that, how black people have been represented in there. In yeah. That, you know, cause that's a story he knows well himself, but what, what he does very well is it's not lectured to us. I don't think, I think no, it is deep. No. I mean, I wouldn't was- have said, I didn't know Gordy represents him. You know, that's something that's quite deep. I don't know if anyone would actually read that without him saying that. <laughs> but, you know, once he says that, you go, oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, you, you were a young comedian. You tried out in TV in Hollywood and you've been thrust around. Then you produced a film and ripped everyone's and head ripped off. Ripped everyone's heads off, yeah, you know, yeah. surprised everyone, you know. So, yeah, okay, I can understand that. So, yeah, but there's so you know there is some deeper, definitely deeper meaning to him. Um, as I said, if you look at the Lovecraft TV show that came out in 2020, that he, I'm not sure exactly off the top of my head what he wrote and directed, and but he did produce it. Monkey Paw produced it all, and it's all African American stories around horror and sci-fi. You know, mm. so they change up those stories, and yeah, again, there's some great horror and sci-fi elements in there. And there's, there's, but again, there's a lot of that kind of white power over black people and, you know, the racism that underwhelms the society and all that kind of in America. So, yeah, uh, he definitely likes to touch on that, you know, and we see that in Get Out and stuff as well. So the, you're saying there the monster and the creatures is a thematic that came around that you saw in the film. Does that the science that you think this film is trying to touch upon? Yeah, I think the science here is kind of a, a social science in many yeah. ways. Like it doesn't go into, you know, how is it sucking people up? How is yeah. it eating them? How is it flying? None of that's really kind of addressed. There's a little bit there about it's um, uh, interfering with electronics, but it doesn't go into what that is. But it does it does bring up all of the uh, ideas and and thoughts that come from the stories that, that people tell about alien encounters. There's mm-hmm. always like, you know, electronics failing, lights turning off. Um, and it, it talks about, you know, people being raised up in a beam. Mm. And usually that's kind of the, um, in many cases, that's sort of a, a, a holy experience or, or a euphoric experience. Sometimes it's horrific. And Put a this, pro about my butt. Yeah, this <laughs> I know. I don't know where the whole butt probe comes from. <laughs> they just love it, aliens. They love it. <laughs> yeah, I, like you'd think they've just got like MRIs. They yeah. could just do an MRI of us and be done yeah, with it. They can beam me up. Why they stick? How many times do they have to deal yeah. with us? I I don't quite understand why, but it does go into a lot of the you know folklore, I suppose, and and that historical imagery we have. Mm. And Jordan does nicely interlace that then with that sort of religious iconography as well of mm. the of the the winged beautiful thing yeah. but terrible in its nature. Mm. Uh it's it's quite good. The science one of the science bits I, I was I liked was the way they tracked the UFO with a little inflatable waving arm crazy guys. <laughs> that yeah, you know, it's like a whole heap of them in in the row going out. That yeah, was, those that was blow quite, up things in the car yards. Yeah, like that's I thought that was a very clever way of yeah. keeping track of this alien. Because hmm. um, you've got some, some, something on screen as well that's so big. Yeah. And it can be invisible. So <laughs> how do you 
visually show that yeah, to an and audience. It's, and it's like, uh, if, we're, if we're going to go back to Jaws, it's like the shark fin. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't have to show a big shark. No. You show, you show that tip of the fin and the ripple mm. of, you know, wake going out yeah, from yeah. it. And I know that's exactly what Steven Spielberg did. He, yeah. he just had like a, a fake fin yeah, yeah. dragging it through the water. Mm. Uh, it sort of makes it a lot more affordable than not it's having cheaper. to have that enormous okay. shark. And you don't need to see the shark. No, no, it's it, it's the tension, it's the mm. terror of seeing the crazy inflatable waving arm men mm. slowly dropping down, That's heading right. towards you. You know it's there. And this first one drops and then there's a few seconds and the second one yeah. and then it's closer, quicker, and then it's, then they're just dropping one after the other. Mm. And you know there's this thing, you win and when's it going to grab you and, you know, haul you away and mm. grind you down to your inedibles? <laughs> <laughs> Presumably, I I know. I think this just be my ring. Yeah. That's it. Just spit the ring out. Maybe my sneakers or something. <laughs> be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think mostly social science. Like some science fiction covers, uh, you know, hard practical science where yeah. you know you're talking about you know, fusion generators and singularity wormholes. Yeah. And others others talk more about how our culture has progressed and grown and how we've measured mm. our progress, you know, yeah. how how we can observe real-world, you know, stimulus and response. Yeah. You know, there's a alien creature sucking people into the air, never to be seen again, you know, rapture, mm. and it's, it's angelic in its full visage. Yes. And, yeah, you can easily imagine anyone sort of seeing that would go, oh, my goodness, you know, that's some sort of a god. Really, it's, or a messenger of God, mm. you know, they've been taken to a better place. Mm. Like, mm, not really. <laughs> they've been just been eaten. They've they've been eaten. It's it's not that good up there. Yes. Um, yeah, through to the modern day, where it's like, hey, let's make a quick buck out of this alien creature. Like, can you imagine the audacity to think of doing that? Mm. This this, and, and that's what Stephen's character is all about. Was yeah. was that evolution of our human thought to being that we are masters. Mm. You know, we have attained some level of superiority yeah, yeah. Uh, where our predecessors did not have this capability, this understanding, this knowledge and well, wisdom. We can, you can control this massive yeah. beast as for financial out, gain. As it turns out, we can't. We're still just no. as dumb as we were when we're <laughs> running around in our loincloths living in caves that are afraid of the flying space god, mm. you know, that winged chariot that draws us away to Valhalla, yeah, yeah, you know, that, yeah, yeah. that's no, um, you know, we're, we're no better now. Nope. We're the same people. No. And, and, that, and that is an interesting point that, you know, scientists, social scientists and historians stuff make is that uh, something like, say, the pyramids, who oh, must be aliens that helped us because how could they have done it? Well, because they're the same people as we are. We're not smarter than the people who made pyramids. yeah. yeah. I mean, we've got some new gadgets and, you know, more written history and books yeah, yeah. to read from. But if you took 4,000 years ago Egyptian f- architect yeah. to today and gave him AutoCAD, he could design your next Sydney Opera House. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not, I was going to say, it's not rocket science. But no. the thing is, the same people could learn rocket science. Yeah, yeah. It's not, you don't need aliens to, to explain that. Mm-hmm. And yet, to look at the other way and this film does here is, yeah, we're, we're not that much we're no better and this alien god being is still a crazy ass dangerous thing yeah, and we're sure. still playing with crazy ass dangerous stuff we are um yeah you, know, you could even say that with things like nuclear bombs and yeah you know nuclear reactors and what have you it's chat gpt yeah chat gpt <laughs> this ai you know is coming out like we're not 
we're not smarter or more powerful than no. we ever have been. We're the same. And those dangers still exist. They do. Yeah, I think I think so. But speaking of real world dangers, there, there there's some real world incidents of people trying to deny the nature of mm. wild animals. Yeah, yeah. Um, to their own detriment. Is what, what's can you think of any that might have been inspirations for this? <laughs> well, the famous one that came to mind is Segri and Roy mentioned in the film. Yeah, yes. just you know, straight away that's like that automatic one. And, yeah, so in 2003, I believe it was, it was, and it became their last Las Vegas show. They were big celebrities, huge magicians, mm. had a long-standing, you know, money-making show at one of the casinos in Las Vegas. And they potentially had a whole bunch, sorry, not potentially, they would normally have a bunch of wild animals which were trained uh, like Gordy mm. <laughs> in Nope, and uh, they had tigers and um, I believe they did have monkeys, chimpanzees as well, I oh. think it was part of their show. And they would do magic and, you know, that was all part of the attraction, you know, so it was kind of like a live magic animal circus show. And they'd been doing that for many, many years. And, yeah, in 2003, one of the uh, tigers, yeah, just decided to take a chunk out of one of their legs, uh, ripped him around the stage in front of a live audience oh, and terrible. dragged him backstage. So at least he had the common sense. I know as a show person yeah. and then I've worked on uh, some live shows in camera, uh, yeah, the tiger did well by dragging him off stage. It means you can close the curtains. Yes. <laughs> that was the show, folks. He'll and be fine. Back, yeah, <laughs> and it, apparently it took four animal handlers and a fire extinguisher to to for him to let go of his leg. So oh, you talked yeah. about two dogs at a park. I mean, you imagine a tiger's teeth. Uh, tigers are terrifyingly um, huge. Yeah, and, and just I think even looking into that a little bit, like, yeah, being dragged out the back by a tiger, like a 300-kilogram tiger, that is sheer terrifying. And, oh. and, and I think... You know, you see Gordy in this. Gordy was fake. He's not real. He's the same actor that's played Kong, you know, in the Kong movies. And it's not... Andy Serkis. It's not Andy Serkis, no. but it's another angle. It's the, it's the recent Kong, like the Kong, Kong Skull Island. Uh, and he also... I was just trying to think there's another movie that he did the CGI as a, as a chimpanzee. Anyway, so it's the same guy. He, he'll that. be in, in the documentary of my life. He'll be playing me. <laughs> Yeah. All CGI. He's, he, he's got the he's got the movements he's down the pack to the yeah. way I stand. Yeah, that's my normal walk. And yeah, so Gordy's not real, but I think that sort of sheer terrifying scene in Nope, where you know Gordy's obviously ripped up a couple of the actors. He's standing there covered in blood, and he there's that foot twitching. I think it probably is the mum or something, and he bangs it a couple of times. Like you know, it's like oh, what's going on? You know, and and then the male actor runs down, and you hear you know thrown offset. Yeah, it's similar to something like that Siegfried and Roy Siegfried and Roy, yeah. Yeah, thing, I believe. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other ones. I mean, another story I know that Dax Shepard talked about was when he did the film in New Zealand called Without a Paddle. It's a comedy film. And there's a, a famous bear in that film who, you know, they brought from the States to mm. New Zealand for shooting. And Paul, he's got a particular name because he's been in a whole bunch of films. And Dax naively, because this is the first time he was working with such a big animal, thought, oh, you know, they, they, they probably really have this creature under control. Uh, you know, there, there'll be the handler and this thing's worked on lots and lots of films and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, the first day that the bear was on set, the handler literally said to them, 
a little bit similar like that horse scene. It's like yeah. there's no quick movements. There's no, there's no running away from this bear if it decides to attack you. Yeah. You're gone. So when I'm telling you to do certain things, you are doing them. And that that's what the handler was addressed in the set. And he said also the way they trained them on set, he goes, oh, he thought maybe there'd be, you know, like barbed wire between the bear and the actors. Yeah. And the way it's trained is literally it kind of gets an electric shock when it, it taps a little wire that's on the ground. So it's trained that they put this wire about a foot off the ground and so if the bear steps, it gets a little electric shot. And, it's, of course, it's the Pavlovian training method. Yeah. And, um, yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, so you're standing there about a metre and a half from the bear and all your instincts are like run away, you know, you know, get away from this thing. And the number one instruction is don't run away. You've got to stand your ground and you've got to stand there and act with this bear. And so, yeah, he said it was absolutely terrifying Realizing and and you know the whole time the handler is just right there. Well, no... oddly enough, it's the same with this guy who played Gordy. Yeah, when he came on set, he told everyone, "Don't look at me. Yeah, just don't don't try to run away because if you try to run, I'm straight on you, man." That's right. That's it. Yeah, it's terrifying, fellow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's I don't I'm not going to list off a whole bunch of these sort of examples, but yeah, it's I think with you know there there there's loads of examples of there people trying to use wild animals it's an easy sell of a ticket isn't it? a circus oh. you know come see the big bear come see the whatever a bear's terrifying and i think probably as a culture we've moved a little bit more and more away from that as a spectacle you know with zoos being a little bit more nature scapes and stuff now and and I mean I guess the great thing with Hollywood now is that yeah like that chimpanzee looks like a chimpanzee but he's not he's artificial yeah and so I guess that is the future isn't it they probably a fair bit of the budget went into that yeah but but that is the future isn't it as well as like you don't need to actually have the you don't need the horse anymore probably really you know like you could just everything can be digital yeah it actually looks more like a horse if you strap three actors together <laughs> yeah. I'll be in the I'll be in, in the bum and in, I'll be in the head bit put them know? in green green screen and they just yeah. sort of get together yeah. Yeah, because I was I was reading about. Uh, have you heard about Travis the chimp? So it was uh, an no. incident in two thousand and nine. So Travis, oh, when was he born? Nineteen ninety four or six, five, mm. nineteen ninety five, in captivity mm. in the United States. And this couple, um, the Heralds. So it was, it was Jerome and ooh, I can't remember what the woman's name was. Nancy, maybe or something. Harold. Mm. And they they bought Travis, this little baby chimp, as a as a little little baby, yeah. $50,000. Uh, he appeared in a number of TV commercials and shows like Gordy. Yeah. In 2003, he was riding in the backseat because they drove around, they treated him like a child. Yeah. You know, like like a, he would accompany them places and, you know, he would, you know, go and pick up the mail for them and mm. he could, uh, you know, he'd watch TV, he liked baseball and he'd drive in the car with them. Yeah, And yeah, right. they, they were stopped there and someone threw a can at their car because, uh, you know, people are, that's why we can't have nice things, the people that do that. And it got through the partially open window mm. and hit Travis. Right. And he, cool. You yeah. do it, you've heard the expression ape shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, well, this is this what is happened. the definition of yeah, it. Yeah, he undid his seatbelt because he wears a seatbelt, yeah. opened the car door and pegged it after this guy. Yeah. The guy managed to run away and, and you know, Fortunately, humans can run faster than most chimps, mm. so got away. But then this this chimp was 
trying to be rounded up by the police mm. and it would, you know, it was chasing them around the cars. It took a while. I finally managed to get him in the car and like, okay, he settled down now and drive him home. But that, that was kind of a bit of a warning because then later on, uh, you know, Pearl Jerome dies of cancer, I believe it was. Terrible occurrence. And uh, Nancy or Sandra, oh, my goodness me, I'm sorry, um, Ms. Harold, but she's basically treating more and more like a member of the family, like, he, he goes everywhere with her, uh-huh. does everything. Yeah, yeah. And there's one day in 2009, he's uh, yeah, come out of the house to, you know, pick up a, a newspaper or something or other, and there's a neighbour, family friend, sees him goes, oh, I think you probably need to go back inside, you know, come inside, and just didn't do anything more than that, just other than, oh, let's, let's go inside. Travis just snapped leapt onto her and started just pounding and bashing her, ripped her lips off, her Oof. nose, her ears, one of her hands, Oof. pulled a hand off. Yeah. Like this chimp's, uh, this was a 90-kilo chimp. Yeah. This is not a small fella. And, you know, um, poor old Mrs. Herald, yeah. she came running out and was like hitting him with a shovel to try and get him off, yeah. st- had to stab him with a knife and he would not let go. Oof. Finally, you know, the the... Rangers came, the police came, they managed to get him off mm. and they had to shoot him because he was yeah. going to have a go at them as well. Yeah, yeah. And Pearl, um, you know, Miss Harold, she thought her friend was dead. Sadly, she lived. And I think this is actually where the um, the little actress in the wheelchair mm. with the veil, yeah, because, yeah. you know, she was a, the woman was a, the recipient of a face transplant yeah, and, yeah. you know, her hand was sewn back on, but then she got pneumonia and for fear of, um, you know, complications because they have to have anti-rejection drugs which suppress the immune system. Right. They couldn't do that once she got pneumonia, so they had to take the hand off again. Mm. And oh, it was just a really messed up. This this yeah. showbiz chimp went for you know for years. He was a fourteen-year-old chimp. Yeah. He'd been everywhere. The people in town all knew him. Uh, this woman who who approached him knew him, had spoken to him, spoken to him. You know, had, had dealt yeah, with yeah. him many times. But it was just his time. Uh, he just freaking lost it, Cost. and and went berserk. And they could not stop him. Like he yeah. was just so powerful that mm. there, there was no you know short of shooting him. Um, I had to shoot him several times. <laughs> they they couldn't stop him. Uh, I was horrified when I read that because yeah, I was yeah. I was looking up. I was going, what you know maybe maybe I should look at you know taming of animals and training and all that sort. And came across this story and I just went, whoa. Yeah, now you're saying about the lips. I feel like I did hear about that story uh, when it kind of maybe made some news at the time or whatever. Oh, yeah, jeez, yeah. no. No, jeez. that's, that's that's yeah, and Siegfried and Roy is a other one. Yeah. Uh, well, did you hear about, the, as well, did you hear about the, the bear guy who lived in the hills with bears? Is most this of the his grizzly life? man guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who yeah he, there's a great <laughs> documentary about that actually. Yes. And, um, yeah, if you watch that, it's, I mean, look, he was a bit, unhinged that guy you know you watch the doco you really do he made a lot of footage and so it's been put together i think werner herzog the big documentary filmmaker made that one and um yeah and at the end it's the mystery because he just literally was supposed to go camp in here and be in this position and the last footage is him pointing out these man is found to be in (laughs) conflict with nature yeah that's right nature will win yes Man, you stupid. <laughs> That's right. That's my best Werner Herzog impersonation. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, you don't quite know what happens to him at the end, but he just 
disappears yeah, after no, seeing like, a bear off. Yeah, that apparently yeah. he knew, you know, like he'd met, he'd mixed with these bears, but mm. they're bears. They're bears. <laughs> they're not, you know, they're not. Um, I don't know fluffy puppies. No, but mind you, fluffy but I'm sure puppies. There's, and I'm sure there's. That's what I mean with that Dax Shepard when I heard him talking about it. Like, and I think it's really evident in this film, not only with Gordy but the horse. Like, yeah, they, you know, you're dealing with these creatures. It's not, it's it's not just a recipe. You know, there is danger involved, yeah. and you've got to be very careful on on that line. So I'm sure there's a hundred Hollywood stories out there of oh, things. There'd be and, countless. And yeah, yeah. There's that. We saying talked about the fly. Remember the fly? He's holding that. Um, Baboon. Oh, was that a baboon, yeah. I mean, geez, that would have been a real baboon. Yeah. That but, thing yeah, could but, bite your face off. Yeah, like baboons that, are know. known for being you a bit know. territorial yeah. and grumpy at times. You look at those teeth, you know, you say a dog's teeth. I mean, they've yeah. kind of got bigger canines than dogs, and but then they're on top of you, aren't they? Yeah. They're way more agile. So, yeah, terrifying. Nasty. <laughs> so what have you seen another science fiction film which has similarities to the concept of Nope in this idea of a large UFO. Has anything yeah, come to like, mind? I, I mean, it's Close Encounters yeah. is one, and I think uh, Jordan listed that as one of his inspirations for this film, and, mm. and you can see it because in Close Encounters, for those who haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil it for you, oh, there's yeah. a UFO. Oh, no. And the UFO um, arrives, it's very big, uh, everyone goes to it because it's a spectacle, mm. and they do the the famous um, communication, the do 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 do, and you know, a bit of music and some flashing lights, and this is this is almost in Nope's almost a parody of that, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah. Parody satire, where it's yeah, you go up and try and communicate. Yes, and here it comes to you know eat this horse. <laughs> Now, don't worry, folks, I've got it trained. It's been doing this for six months now, mm. which occurred to me. This is like, oh, that's where all your horses are gone. Yeah. <laughs> You've lost 10 horses in the past six months. Yeah. Well, is this, um, yeah, it's in Close Encounters, of course, it, they, they communicate and it opens up and there's a bright, bright light. Mm. Um, but then, you know, missing people come a return or something yeah. funny happens. It's, it's a nice, pleasant ending, yeah, yeah. which yeah, it makes a certain amount of sense, but... Uh, you no, can no, certainly no, see no. it would be easier to sort of say, oh, but what if, and there's Independence Day, mm. where they yeah, fly yeah. up with the helicopters with the flash in the lights yeah, and then yeah. they just blast them. Yeah. And people are first going, well, what did we say to them? Did we offend them? You're yeah, like, yeah. Or, or they're just dicks. Yeah. They could just be intergalactic dicks and this is what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out that is pretty much true. But I, I was wondering, though, if, if we're looking at similarities in concept and nope of a large UFO, but... Maybe not even a large UFO. There's there's some other films which have had this sort of large occurrence, and we could look at like uh, Event Horizon, mm, yeah. which there's no UFO, but there's this same idea of let's you know we can control this force, mm. and there and it's as a I suppose the classic warning in Event Horizon is we can control this force. We we are capable of achieving yeah, this. Yeah. And so then should we? You actually do it and it's it's uncontrollable. Yeah. You thought you had the control, you thought you could do it, turns out you can't. And and that's sort of this this nope as well. And and it it happens in a number of these sort of films where where you think you've got this capability. You think you're smarter than you really are. Well, and- alien as well in that the again, going back to the 
corporation wants to control mm. the power of the alien, right? Like, they, let's get it and examine it and then weaponize it yeah, or whatever. Like, we this don't will just be a th- This will just be a thing that we will have and use. Yeah, we'll um, have it and we'll be able to control it and use it. And alien, the alien creature turns around and is basically like, no, I'm not controllable. Yeah, nope. Nope. Uh, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, try controlling this. Acid blood. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I guess so we sort of... Um, we talked a bit about some of the styles of this film. We talked, mm. you know, the genres and themes, but similar storytelling style. Other directors, like who, who would you compare this to? Like maybe Wes Anderson or something? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, um, I'm not sure. I mean, he's definitely gone down a bit of an indie path. I mean, you even mentioned this. I don't know, maybe a few episodes ago. I mean, we have the title effects going on in this, which mm. is a bit Tarantino, and it's a bit on trend that at the moment, isn't it? With the the indie style of filmmaking. Everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, had they did as well with cards. chapter one, chapter two. So we're getting the title cards and in this case he did it with the horses, didn't he? Yeah, Jean Jacket Yeah, was like listed. that was sort of chapters yeah, in and the lucky story. And, yeah. yeah, that were the kind of ones which, I mean, I guess the impression of that is to jar us a little bit as an audience and go, what's going on? The use of Gordy and the flashback idea, I mean, that was kind of like a really... Yeah, I don't, I don't want to necessarily name a filmmaker, but it's it's definitely a, a style of the storytelling is to kind of reveal this little horrific thing at the start. Mm. And you, you, he's not, he's deliberately showing us the aftermath of Gordy, not Gordy just going apeshit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, And that's leaning into, you know, the rules of horror. Like we don't necessarily have to see the shark. We no. don't alien, you know, remember we talked about that, like in the first alien, isn't the alien creature only in the movie for about four minutes or something? Like yeah. if you add it, like it's in the dark, right? Like it's on the roof, the chains, the cat, like it's there, but it's not even really there. Like we barely see the alien. Whereas, you know, obviously in the sequels you see it for 90% of the film or whatever. Yeah. Um, and again, it's the same here. Like Gordy, we see Gordy, the terror is that, you, as you, everything you've talked about in this episode, like, yeah, a chimpanzee, 90 kilos, muscular, got a bit of aptitude, uh, teeth, can jump up. It's quite fast, you know, very agile. Mm. Um, how malicious could a chimpanzee be? Like, why does it rip someone's hand off? You know, like a dog would be more go for your neck and try to make you bleed out as quickly yeah. as possible. But yeah, rip your hand off. Yeah, <laughs> like what's the point? And bite your lips off. You know, like it's not sort of going for the juggler. It's a little bit more sinister, isn't it? Yeah, um, sort of, sort of almost that uh, serial killer yeah, fear. Yes. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so that revealing of the story that you know you have a little snippet of Gordy's aftermath, and then we're told a little bit about it, and then we've then we're sort of seeing the flashback from Ewan's eyeballs. We see the 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 character growing up. So. Yeah, I, I don't know if we put it down. To me, it was more I saw a lot of similarities to and a lot of nods. As I said, I think Jaws was a thing here. You've just said Close Encounters. Mm. I also think probably some of those more classic science fiction like The Blob, which we've done. Oh, what, you know, the other one that we did with the... Um, what did you know? The uh, not space invaders, body, body... Snatchers. Um, body snatchers one. Like I think that was kind of being nodded here. He also does the nod for the shining that you get the blood, like the the flood of blood. Yes. Like that was horrific that this UFO creature just decides to dump like, yeah, I don't know, liters of blood all over the house, right? Like 
He deliberately did that to them. Yeah, I know. I've all, you wonder how intelligent the UFO is. Yeah. It, was it just a... Is it just sort of uh, like a, maybe as smart as like a dog or a horse yeah. or something or is it well, that, truly a sinister intelligence? That showed a little bit more intelligence, you mm. know, um, and maybe like a chimpanzee, it's going to rip your hand off and not necessarily go straight for the juggler. You're gonna, it's going to let you bleed out yeah. for a little bit, you know. It's got a bit of rage. Yeah, there's, there's not just the eating is the point of it, you know, killing is part of it. So, yeah, I think there's kind of, and even something like the howling, you know, like this kind of morphine and there's horror in people and the horror in the cycle of it. Um, You know, this creature hides in plain sight and then it comes out and then it looks at you. So then therefore it's, you know, numbered you kind of thing and it's going to eat you up. And, yeah, there's there's a lot more going on than maybe necessarily just a, a... yeah, I feel like there's a lot of nods here to other genre from Jordan versus like another type of filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, I think so because I kind of liked the the idea that it was a bit like is it that Tarantino? You think like Pulp Fiction, you know, where you're sort of seeing different aspects of the yeah. same story mm. um, with the title cards yeah. and so forth. And there's there was some of the Western style as well, yeah, yeah. some of the old, just certainly where you just have these long relatively quiet shots of nothing. Yeah. You know, just to let you know it's cold out here. (laughs) It's wild. I mean, for me, it was extremely enjoyable because there's a lot of nods to filmmaking. You know, there there is, as you just said, there's a nod to the Western. We don't really make Westerns anymore. They're not, they were super popular for so long. Mm. I mean, every now and then Westerns come out, but it's not the genre anymore. You know, horror would be way more popular now. Science fiction's way more and, popular. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, so there was a lot of nods to that. You know, there's this historical thing of the black jockey being in the first film. You know, that cinematographer character is like, you know, he's the pure cinematographer guy, no. you know, and he uses the wasn't, film wasn't camera. He you know, cool, like, eh? they bring out the film camera and he's like, get the shot, you know, <laughs> like, like, I mean, even that phone call he had with them, you know, and he's editing. He was editing some weird animals eating things and stuff, wasn't he? Like no. there was a real deliberate point there, and he he was it was a cryptic conversation of him basically saying, "I don't think I'm really interested in your project." Yeah. <laughs> and I really, I really liked that because I kind of you know I've known some people like that and seen some people like that, and so yeah, that, there's some really interesting. As I said, like even that blood scene. I, I mean, filmmakers love that scene of. In the shining of the flood, shining. Of blood, I think it's also know. Carrie. Well, it is, but it, it, yeah. the shining and when those elevator lifts yeah, open. And so many other filmmakers have talked about that, and it's true. Like, mm. yeah, I, I, recently I saw. I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw a thing that because they had one take at that. That Kubrick apparently, you know, with the team, they set it all up, but apparently he walked off set because he was like, "I can't watch this fail if it doesn't work." Yeah. But I don't know if that's true or not. That's just a little blurb. But, yeah, I've seen so many films where they nod that exorbitant amount of blood for the point of it, you know. Um, And also the little, like, isn't it funny that he gives us a little nod of those little alien men, you know, the little scary traditional alien men in the barn? Like there is a moment in here where it's him. I think Jordan Peele was kind of going, oh, these are the aliens. Surprise. No, they're not. You know, like it was a false Actually, that was a bit like trick. a little bit science-y, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, Actually, yeah. that was a genuinely quite creepy because very creepy. he's standing there in the 
you know, barn or barn whatever doing whatever, and it's not introduced. But my wife, because we we're watching together, she she picked out. She says, yeah. "Oh, oh my god, what's that?" There's something in there. Yeah, and then I it was a shadow. I moved. looked a bit closer and went, "Yeah, I don't know. Is that meant to be? Yeah. It's sort of almost a humanoid shape, yeah, silhouette." But I don't know. Is it is it just you know yeah, a yeah. shadow in the background? And because it didn't feel like it was leading up to an encounter. No, no. But then yeah, you started getting this sort of arrangement, and and that was very sort of. Mm. Um, uh, I guess ET, but also yeah. signs. You know signs, where there's, yeah, yeah. we get these sort of and guys running about. I, I mean, I know that I watched this years ago. There's a couple of those alien films. I think one's called Communique, and it, it is. It's the white little. You know, it's a scary yeah. film, and it's the white little one. And there's another one. I don't know if Rook to House in it or, or not, but it's like about a farmer and. and in that, there is a scene that has stuck to my brain. It's not the most interesting film, but there's a scene where he wakes up in bed and this is it, the whole film is sort of that signsy idea, like is there yeah. an alien thing on the farm? And he wakes up in bed and in the corner of the room, you know, in the darkness is a shape yeah. of that traditional little white alien man and he, he kind of looks at it, he's, you know, like am I asleep? Is this a nightmare? And then it just moves, you know what I yeah. mean? And that, that's kind of like what he did in this scene as well yeah. where the alien was out of focus and he's walking and you, as an audience you're like, oh, shit, there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's just teasing the audience. Yeah. yeah. yeah so it's, it's cool. It's That is very cool. Yeah. Do you think scientifically it's possible to get a photo of a UFO? Lots of people claim it. You know, there's lots well, on YouTube. I mean, they even talk about this in this film, right? Like, let's just say they want their Oprah shot. Like, people won't believe normal well, grainy this is, phone footage. Well, this is the thing is how is it – it's amazing that we've gone from little brownie box cameras, yeah. cameras with a pinhole, whatever, <laughs> through to, you know, Insta snaps and Polaroids through to we've got, you know – I think my phone has a 12 megapixel or a 4K something or other. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really quite remarkable what this mm. camera has, and yet we've still never been able to take a photo yeah. of any sort of spaceship. Everything has always been a a, a weird flashy thing or a blurry grey blur. Or but they, like, and they talk about it briefly in this film, but it's this mystery of the UFO because they talk about that example of the... Um, U.S. military releasing footage. Mm. Remember they released that footage a couple of years ago? Yeah, they yeah. actually talked about that. But is that real or is it not real? But isn't that part of the kind of debunking here a bit, isn't it? You know? Well, yeah, well, I've, and I mean, I've seen that military footage and it is the same little grainy white speck thing yeah. moving about the place and you're like, that could literally be anything. <laughs> like that could be a seagull, yeah, yeah. you know, taken at, a, at an odd angle because these, right. are, these are cameras mounted on swivel, you know, gimbals yeah. on the bottom of high-speed, you know, jet fighters. Yeah, yeah. And if they're at a particular angle and they automatically adjust to try and keep a thing in centre, mm. if that's like a, an egret flying in to catch a fish yeah. and you're going the other direction super fast and your camera's moving to compensate for your movement, mm. You can't yeah, no, like it's you, grainy it's, footage as it's well. Weird it's, ass stuff. Like yeah. it's just those cameras aren't designed to capture good shots. They're there to lock onto a heat signature or something and then keep it in track so that you can laser designate it so you can shoot your missiles. Yes. Yeah. Like And he does and I mean Peel does it in this film with the there's the prey mantis that goes onto the camera. Yes. It's very alien looking, isn't it? Yes. You know, like and that's the idea, isn't it? It's like, well, 
it plays a pop plot point as well in the film, but it, it's it's alien looking. Well, and 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 that's the thing is the number of specs and things. It, like the idea, I'm going to photograph really, and this is what gets me about ghost photos mm. and spirit photos is mm. like a, a photo is just photons, light mm. of the visible spectrum that our eyeballs can see yeah. hitting onto a. If we're talking about like a, a film camera, yep. it's hitting onto a, a chemical which reacts with that energy mm. and changes its color. Yep. And likewise, if we're talking about a digital camera, you've got like a little set of sensors which, um, you know, you have a red, green and a blue sensor, which when a photon within a particular range of energy hits it, it, you know, fires a, a bit of energy, electricity into the you know, computer of the camera and mm. it gets registered at that point of certain intensity of red, green, and blue and mixes it together, simulate. You know, so if light is bouncing off or being emitted from a UFO the, in the visible spectrum, then yes, we would be able to see it. If mm-hmm. you can see it, you can photograph it. Yeah. You certainly couldn't take a photograph and then afterwards see something that you didn't see. No. Because, which is the problem with ghost photos. You know, they always yeah. take the photo and they, they develop it after and go, oh, my God, there's a ghost there. And you go like, but nobody saw it. No, because cameras capture your soul. He's like, no, they don't. They interact with photons exactly the same as everything else in the universe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if, if a UFO is emitting light or reflecting light, you could photograph it. Mm. However, and this is interesting, is because if we're going to assume that we do have a UFO like this, one in in nope mm. it's not moving according you it's not using what's called a reaction drive to move and a reaction drive is like what we have where say a jet engine it sucks air in one end it burns it with some fuel and accelerates it out the back mm. and the reason the jet goes forward is because it's throwing superheated gases out the back faster yep. than what is coming out the front and so it goes forward just like uh you know if you're on a roller skate and you throw a bowling ball you roll away from the bowling ball yeah but this thing here isn't you doing that. It's moving about through our atmosphere without having to eject in a mass to do it. Mm. So it doesn't. It's not burning uh, a jet engine to fly. And the reason this is interesting is because what if that reactionless um, sort of engine is you know emitting high energy particles? Mm. And it would sort of, you almost have to, we have this idea of an ion drive, which is, uh, it's a a real thing. It's just not really very powerful. But the idea is if you run high electric current through uh, a bunch of fins, you end up with this situation where ions form. So you get positive at one end of the the electrical charged fin and a negative at the other end of the electrically charged fin. And then air particles are attracted from one to the other. And so you get a flow of yeah. air without having to burn anything, uh, and so the you know you're you're moving air, and thus you move in the other direction that you're pushing the air one way, you go the other way. Yep. But at the same time, in order to do that, you have to have an enormous electrical you know current, mm. an electrical voltage going across systems, which is going to throw off you know anything that interacts with that will get thrown off in various directions. Um, so you can imagine if you had a sufficiently high uh, voltage running through the skin of this creature mm. this ufo thing in order for it to be able to repel enough air to, to fly around like it does conceivably that would cause failure in electronics right which is what happens when you have like a solar flare mm. and get solar flares affecting computers is a real 
thing. It certainly affects communications device, you know, device and yeah. so forth. If you get enough high energy particles hitting your camera mm-hmm. and you've got like a, a digital camera, then you could be tripping circuits in the little sensors beyond their threshold level. So you're essentially getting overexposures. Yeah. Which would mean that even though you're looking at it with your eyes, because your eyes do use a chemical uh, detector, not uh, an electronic detector, mm. they don't get overexposure like that. So yeah, your camera, you could be looking at it going, oh, it's this grey oblong shape. You mm. take a photo of your digital camera, but your digital camera is, is just like this sort of white blur that yeah, yeah, smudges yeah. out and you go, well, someone's screwed up your lens or something. Yeah, yeah. But the answer is that, yeah, that same grey photons have grey photons but yeah the same mixture of photons that look grey to us have hit the camera Mm. but also hitting us and hitting the camera are these very high energy particles which we which don't interact with our eyeballs but which interact with the circuitry in the camera causing overexposure so so i do like that idea and it also calls wavy wacky arm men guy electronics to fail and i think this is sort of the idea behind electronics failing around ufos is that they're emitting all sorts of radiation yeah yeah at energy levels that are not visible we don't feel it it passes through us but if you've got an air you know a little antenna of the right sizes like occurs in microchips then you could get it might be interference interfered with yeah Yeah, just you're just tripping bits you're just causing logic failures yeah which most electronics he says have little you know fail safes where if they Something starts going the wrong way. It just goes, no, I'm, I'm turning off. I'm getting yeah. out of here. Uh, right. So, yeah, they used uh, the hand-cranked film camera, yeah. which uses chemical. You know, in order to change the, the, the cassette, they had to go into the, like, underneath the yeah, hood. Yeah, because otherwise you expose it. You can't expose it. So maybe they're hoping there that you're not going to get the electrical interference. You'll only get the light, yeah. you know, visible light, which is going to interact with the film itself. Yeah. And because you're hand-cranking it, you know, you're not going to have any sort of electronic motors right. frying out or going too fast or yeah. stopping or whatever they're going to do. So, yeah, you, you get a photograph of the UFO. I think your best bet would be for a non-electronic UFO. Mm. And I think also the other problem is that UFOs are always at a great distance. Mm, yeah. And that means you've got to use a, a massive magnifying lens. And yeah. as anyone who used a camera knows, yeah, you can use a telescope, but you're only getting, you know, if you're going to take... Uh, you know, something that looks maybe a centimetre across and you're going to expand it so it looks 10 centimetres across, yep. you're only getting a centimetre across worth of photons right. and ex- and trying to, you know, capture 10 centimetres across. So you're getting one-tenth. In fact, it's probably, you're probably getting one one-thousandth or something because you've got a re- inverse cube law going on there. So it becomes far more dim, so you've got to use a much longer exposure. Yep. And if it's moving at normal, you know, an aircraft speed or whatever... You're just not getting a long enough exposure, so you're getting you know drawn out light trails and mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. So you need to get up close. So that's there we go. Get up close to the UFO. Then use the shot. Yeah. Use a non-electronic camera <laughs> uh, without a lens. Yeah. You need like just a, a very see the old minimal fixed lens, minimal yeah. minimal fixed lens, and you know take that photograph. But uh, you might well die of radiation yeah. exposure. Who knows? <laughs> or eaten. You could get eaten. As this one does. Yeah, I mean, I got eaten a few times. Yeah. I got better. The photo. Yeah. That's, yeah, they, they they get the photos. And that's the old debate. It's like the people that maybe got the good photos are just gone. Yeah. <laughs> they're, well, they're, they're abducted ones. Yeah, or, or maybe they just they were able to read 
something important on the side of the spaceship. Yeah. Don't As, take photos. No consent. Yeah. I do not consent. Do not consent to photos. No. Yeah. I am a sovereign alien and I do not consent. Yes. Oh, there's a very cool book where there's a, it's like a UFO and these, these people have managed to observe the side of it. It's actually got like um, Pythagorean equations on the side of it and so forth and they go, ooh. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. That's that's to indicate that it's, it's this isn't just a natural phenomenon. This is yeah. actual um, intelligence. Yeah. Uh, so though it's an interesting movie, and it is a little strange as like a Western horror sci-fi. Let's mm. say, how might you have pitched this? Because we, we've we talked about like killer clowns. How the hell do you pitch killer clowns? <laughs> killer clowns is how how might you if you got this idea of this killer UFO? How how do you pitch this to get your well, funding? Well, to me, the pitch here is actually really simple, and I don't think we need to take long. Which is the I want to make a UFO movie, but instead of the UFO having little green men on it, the UFO is the creature. Like mm. the UFO is the monster, and will and that's the surprise because I think that is a real good surprise in this film. Is that yes? You know, at that point in the story, which was probably about two thirds, I think I clocked it as in a two and a half hour movie. You know, he reveals that no, the the UFO actually eats people. It's it's just one whole creature. Uh, I think at that point, you know, you the next logical step was Little Green Men. So, you know, by turning the expectations on us. I reckon that's where the pitch is. Mm. You know, so the pitch is to say to someone, we're going to make an alien film, but the alien spaceship is the alien. You know, yeah. it's just one alien. It's just a monster. And I think saying that to anyone as a produce, like from a producing point of view, I think that's like, oh, okay, that's a different take on the same I mean, old story. Immediately you'd have to ask in response that we're like, oh, well, how is so, it going to so how, how, how does it, that yeah. interact with things? How is yeah. that going to work out? And he says, it's going to work very poorly for the humans. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so you know when we normally abduct someone, you know, up that woof, up that thing. Well, then this time it's been abducted and there's ah, ah, eating it like a big monster. And yeah, I think I think that type of you can straight away in my head if someone was saying that to me even before seeing this film, I didn't know that that's what this film was. I went in completely dark. I thought, mm. yeah, it's something to do with aliens. You know, like okay, um, so it's 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 unique posture. I mean, over the time I've seen, like we mentioned. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that Communique. I've seen a couple other Alien Farm ones, Signs. Um, they are all little, even Paul. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is that traditional little alien person. I, I, I was I was upset. Not upset, but, you know, I, my expectations were upset yeah, by that when yeah. I was, you know, expecting. Because uh, I was asking myself, okay, and I always ask myself whenever I watch an alien film, is, what's their purpose? Yeah, like yeah. why have they flown all the way in this spaceship to get out and terrorize people, mm. like why the hell would you do that? Yeah, and then I, I love the answer they had. And this, this, Jordan came. This one was, oh, it hasn't flown here to terrorize. It's no. been with us. Maybe it's always been yeah, with us. Yeah, maybe it's always on this planet. Like, yeah, maybe and, it's not an alien. Yeah, maybe just, it's actually local. Uh, yeah. And it it just it's eats people. It it's not people, especially yeah. intelligent. No, like it's not composing poetry. No, it's eating us. Yeah, so to me the pitch is just that point of difference and mm. I, I reckon that intrigues, you know, it's the, the old expression quite often with pitching s- stories and films is same but different and mm. that is same but different, you know. So we're going to have all the same sort of tropes that you have in an alien film but it's going to end up being that the spacecraft is the creature, you know, yeah. and it's like, a, it's like Jaws really, you know, it's a giant big thing that eats things and, um, yeah, so I think that would be the pitch. 
<laughs> yeah, I think so. That'd be pretty. That does um, enlighten me. Like I, I often wonder, as just you know, how these things get pitched. But it's a good way of thinking about. It, I think is what you've just presented there, which is present present the you know it's an aliens abducting people uh, out on a ranch, but the spaceship is the alien and it's eating people. Yeah, and that's as simple as it is, right? Because straight away, then you know, oh, it's going to be scary. I, I could, yeah. if someone said that to me, it's like, oh, it's going to be scary. So I know mm. it's kind of in the horror. It's alien, so it's science fiction. Yeah. You know, we've got a bit of both. That's kind of cool because we haven't had a spaceship eating people. Uh, it also solves the dilemma because quite often people get a bit disappointed when they see the aliens. Yes. You know, because it's always like, well, oh, the monster. It's like, what is the monster? Well, okay, the monster is the ship. Okay, all right, so that's something a bit different. Um, and then, again, I would start to then say to Jordan, if I'm the producer, it says, yeah, well, okay, well, what, like, how scary is this creature? You know, and he might go, well, you know, like a chimpanzee goes berserk. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, you haven't thought about it. You know, it rips arms and lips off people. Well, this thing's like that. It, like, gets people, it churns them up, and we're going to see them kind of being squished and churned up and all their jewellery gets spat out and be like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, okay, I'm starting to see and something here. Even, right? even that's kind of a bit reminiscent of, say, you know, your war movies, Nazi stuff where you'd get the, you know, the, the concentration camp yeah. prisoners going off into the nondescript building. Yeah, yeah. And later right. on in the film we see people sorting through jewellery yeah, and gold yeah. teeth. So you know and, they're dead. And yeah. that's the thing you yeah. sort of like, it's the same sort of they've been processed. Yeah. We don't entirely know what's happened. It's mm. not good. Yeah. But now we've just got the the only things we have to remind them by is, yeah. is like the inorganic stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I mean the same but different thing I've heard for a long time and I recently saw Neil Gaiman, the author, talking a bit about that. Like you can play to people's expectations, but then you can also flip them on the head, you know, like you can turn them. So you, you're, right, you're going to write us, he said something like, you, you know, pirates. What are some of the expectations of pirates but then you can turn that at any moment. You can flip that. You can, the audience expects, oh, pirates are going to do some looting and they're going to go dig up treasure and they're going to walk the plank. But that doesn't mean that you can't, they're not pirates in space, mm. just for example. So people in their head think pirates, but yeah, you take them into space and it becomes like, what was, um, we saw it at the space festival, didn't we? You know, it's really cult following. Ice Pirates? No, no, no. Um, Sean, Sean played it. To oh, us there. oh, like um, Flash Gordon or John... Uh, no, no, it goes back a couple of years ago. Um, oh, really? You know, uh, it's the Josh Whedon thing. Oh, yes, of course, a Firefly, yes. Firefly. Yes. That's kind of Pirates in Space, right? Pirates like in Space, it's, it's, Cowboys in yeah, Space. Yeah, Cowboys in Space. Like, it's, it's, it's another thing, you know, yes. like it's the same. It could They could be pirates, you know, they could be cowboys. Like, it's the... it's uh, Yeah, like Robin Hood the same in but space. Different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if it's done well, like Jordan Peele does, I think it, it is a good analogy, yeah. Yeah, okay. And, and the audience is flip on their expectations and that's kind of nice you know you go ah yeah mm. i like being tricked a bit the, the other way i'd pitch it would be hey you know how i made that film that cost almost nothing and earned <laughs> a bajillion dollars i'm gonna make another film yeah doesn't cost too much but it's gonna make a bajillion dollars and, and the producer, the producer goes can we say that you're the one who's producing it yeah directing it yes 
Okay. Sure. Go. Okay. How here's much, how, here's, how much do here's you want? the sixty-eight million dollars you need. So, what's the film about? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that he is probably at that point. I, I have a feeling that there's been a number of conversations in Hollywood where it is just, hey, you know how I, I made all that money, and now I just want to do something else. Make, it's going to make a bunch of it'll money. Make a I promise it'll make. Okay. It'll here's work. the check. What is it going to be? Uh, you know, like uh, aliens turn up on a planet, but. They're yeah, refugees. Yeah, yeah. Just, just go make yeah. it some. Yeah, money. do it. Do it. <laughs> okay. Yes. You had me at aliens. Go for it. Yeah. And I mean, he could wa- he could probably walk into a room and go, you know how I like to do all that subversive racist stuff. I've got another film about that. Mm. Sure. Do you reckon it'll make us money? Yeah, it'll make us money. All, all right, right, go for it. it. You'll like turn it. profit. Like, you'll turn profit. I mean, and that's and that's sort of what uh, I don't want to cheapen Luke Sparks' efforts, but he basically managed to get enough money for occupation. Yeah. It turned a profit, mm. like because it was a low budget. It didn't have to do a lot, too well, yeah, but, too it did well but it enough. did well it, enough. Yeah. The investors got their money plus interest back, and so when he turned around, and said, "Oh, I'm making part two. Yeah, they like, said, "They said, yeah, sure, here you go. Yeah, we'll How give much you, you, and we'll give you a bit more. What do you need this time? Well, if you give me more, I can do all of this like dog fighting and yeah. like cool and stuff. Be a bigger audience. Yeah. yeah, like so. I think it does work that way as well. Definitely. Now, speaking of Luke Spark, he's attending the Space Brain Science Fiction Film Festival 2023 coming very, very soon. Yeah, it's about a month or so away yeah. now. Uh, he's going to be doing a special keynote before we get into the best of the oh. best short films. He's just announced he's making a, a new film yeah, as well. Yeah, he's him out LinkedIn. churning them out now, isn't he? So, oh, yeah. yeah, he's really growing as a What's filmmaker. It, called? it was a supernatural gladiator. Is This is his pitch. We're talking <laughs> about pictures. Pitch. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He's going... Uh, uh, it's called uh, oh just what I can't um, I can't remember what it's called now, but the, the project name. But he, he described it, it just as it's the one bring sentence. Bring him to me, is it, or is that no? The, bring him to me is when he's the just, one he just done the gangster yeah, film. Sorry, the gangster one. Now yeah. this, but it's just as a supernatural gladiators. Yeah, there you go. And you're like, okay, that sounds kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can imagine all sorts of things there, which yeah. is no doubt how they, they pitch a number of films, like his robot gladiators. Yeah. Uh, this is supernatural gladiators. That's right. It sounds good. That's right. So, yeah, he will be at the Space Brains Sci-Fi Festival. We've also, we'll be doing a podcast workshop. And Stephen Dedman, award-winning writer, will be running a science fiction Film festival tickets are selling very fast. Oh, By the time p- you hear this, up. the workshops may be sold out. I think they're two thirds sold now, so they are selling very. They're like hotcakes. They're going We've, fast. We do have a few extra seats. Like the, the cinema, obviously, is, is a full yeah, size it's, cinema. It's a lot. More. So there's, there's, there are some there more, more seats there. there, but they're still yeah, still still moving. I've they're just moving, been, so grab some tickets while you can. You been, don't want to miss out. Spread the news. For me, as a bit of a suggestion for what else to watch around Nope, I would probably go for The Thing. Oh, yes. And I'd probably also go Surrogates. And the reason for that is I think something like The Thing, it's actually quite similar. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> for this idea I've been talking about all episode, the monster in the dark, it's an alien, blah, 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 terrifying thing. So I think there's a lot of connections there. Surrogates, not at all like that, but I like the idea of, um, a twist, and that's what surrogates kind of has in it. You know, this idea of you think that that's what the story's about. It's a detective story, murder mystery, but then there's this whole concept of who the people actually are versus the surrogates. And there, when when we learn what the truth is, there's a bit of a reveal, and that's what I felt during Nope that that reveal of the alien being the alien <laughs> was a reveal to me. So yeah. How about you? What films would you maybe suggest okay, to watch so around this? I, well, it's funny because I went 
uh, Pitch Black. Oh yeah, yeah. which not I'd only agree. no, it was. I also liked that one. Is kind of that um, it had at least two situations. The three of that um, the untamed nature you know mm, there's like yeah. you can hide the nature but it comes out yeah and so that's where we had uh this this world it's mm. empty apparently always sunny apparently mm. but then it goes dark and it turns actually it's a deadly deadly mm. planet far yeah. more so than you'd expect you thought you could manage it can't yeah. but there's also got riddick in there yeah who's supposed to be like this crazy serial killer dude who don't care for no one mm. but it turns out he's he doesn't want to be that. Like under no. na- deep down, he actually wants to be a good accepted. Guy. He wants yeah. to be doing things. So I sort of thought that was, and also I just love that film. You do? It's it's a very cool. I just <laughs> mainly for the themes involved there. So just go watch it with every other film. It's, you yeah. should have put it in as every episode, put really. Every like. episode. Yeah. <laughs> the other one then is um, Cargo. Cargo, yeah. Cargo, because again, this is the guy becomes a zombie. Uh, if you haven't seen Cargo, it's the spoilers. Yeah. Go see it. You would have seen it film, because you've listened maybe. to our episodes of Cargo. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the, the guy becomes the zombie mm. to save uh, his, the, the child. The child, yeah. Which is, again, it's, it's that inner nature sort of you think you can beat the zombies, you think mm. you can beat the apocalypse, you think you can survive. Yeah. And it turns out you can't, but if you, you go with it, if you understand that you can't beat it, yeah. Then you can get something, you know. Yeah, you, yeah. you can achieve, and it it also had that same sort of. It's a somewhat independent film feel to it. It's got a bit of a different voice and a different view from that Aboriginal perspective. Yeah. Um, with a with David Gallipoli in there. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, rest his soul. He's he's passed on these days. So yeah, that film may contain images of past people. Uh, yeah, that that's sort of. My trilogy, I think, in going in there. It's- yeah, right. Good. Yeah, they're interesting ones. So if you're listening out there, what maybe you would suggest or think about maybe, yeah, sitting down and watching a couple other films around it that we've looked at. So that brings us to the end of the episode oh. uh, of Nope. Go check it out. Uh, it's available on a couple of different streaming platforms. Uh, yeah, if you're liking the Jordan Peele stuff, I think you will like this. Uh, that film let us know what you thought about our episode think about giving us a review sharing the podcast hit us up on socials all of those things we really appreciate uh, from our audience members so please do buy a ticket to the film festival if you're local or stay tuned and there'll be some more information about you know how successful that film festival is Um, Yeah, let us know what you thought about Nope online and stay tuned for next episode. Next episode is Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. It's another Del Toro film. Check it out. Till then. See ya. Bye. Bye.